Well, I wanted to put some names up here. Uh, Brian, if you want to put those names up. These are names of Israeli soldiers. A friend of mine, David Harwood, who does a lot of ministry in Israel. And he sent me this list of these people. These are actual uh, people that he personally knows or there's people in these churches that he ministers at. They're uh, neighbors or friends of these people. Who These are soldiers who are actually in, in combat or have been in combat. Uh, some of them are Christians. Some of them are believers. Some of them are, are families or family members of believers or just friends of believers. And so we wanted just to put these names up here. Uh, of course, we don't have their last name. They They didn't give us that, but... Uh, just to let you see, these are, are they are human beings, as we all know, but um, for us just to really put a name with a prayer. And I just wanted to make a couple comments. I'm not really a real political person. Uh, you know, everybody has different views about things. But I'm really concerned, you know, about this. I think we all are concerned about it. I understand that Israel's cabinet has accepted this uh, resolution, uh, which I really personally feel is uh, just a... a I don't really see it as being the Lord in the Scripture. We don't see God making deals with the enemy. And, um, there's, and of course, again, that's just a, a view that I'm stating, but I am concerned, you know, that Israel is, you know, just prolonging or delaying the inevitable. Uh, and, you know, if, 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 if we had a nation that was attacking us with rockets... Uh, I don't think we would let the world tell us, well, you can't fight them no more. I think, you know, we would be very disappointed if our government told us, you know, said, well, we're not going to fight these guys. We're just going to make a, a treaty with them. We would not be satisfied until we got the enemy. So that's just my personal opinion. Again, I'm just stating that. But I just want to uh, pray, uh, you know, remembering, you know, that God has not replaced Israel. Is, uh, you know, Israel is, is still on God's heart, as Romans 11 clearly states. So let's just take a moment to pray, ask the Lord to intervene and have His way. So, Father, in Jesus' name, we lift these people up to You, Lord, these, these names of these people. We, we don't know them more, but we know they're real people. They're, some of them are, are believers, Father. Some of them are fathers of You. Uh, others know people who are. And so we ask You, first of all, for their salvation that each one of these uh, men and women are, would be saved and know you as their Savior and their Lord, Master, and become true disciples of you, Lord Jesus. Father, we pray you preserve their lives in combat. Father, we pray, uh, just ask you this morning about this situation in Israel, Lord. We don't know anything. We, uh, we're just here, and we're just believing that your heart is towards uh, this piece of land over there that it seems to be the center of much controversy in this world, Lord. We know that there's uh, uh, spirits at work, evil spirits at work, and we're asking you, Lord, to deliver Israel. We're asking you to save Israel in the truest sense, that they would experience you as their Messiah and their Savior, and that you would use all this, Lord, to speak to the hearts of that nation, Lord. And, Lord, use this to speak to the heart of, of the nations of the world, Lord, and reveal your glory, Lord. Lord, we declare that you will reveal your glory in the earth as you have, have stated, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Everybody say amen with me. So now that I'm under the gun with the kids to have some meaningful message that they can apply and they're going to take notes on me, <laughs> it's going to be hard. Kids can be the, the best people to, to speak to because they tell you how it is. You know, I remember when I first started preaching, my kids were all young and they'd just flat tell me, Dad, that was awful. 
That was just awful. Nobody's going to listen to such stuff as that. So the kids will stretch you. Uh, 2 Corinthians 4.1. I wanted to put this verse up here and just really want to just uh, briefly encourage you this morning. Uh, what God has, is trying to do, um, I believe, at this time is to equip us to be preachers of the gospel. All of us. We all, have, we all are under the Great Commission. And, and I feel that God is trying to help us and to equip us for each one of us to see that God has called us all to preach the gospel. And that's really our responsibility as Christians, not uh, our responsibility as pastors, but our responsibility as Christians. So I want to encourage you this morning. In 2 Corinthians 4, for anybody who has a heart for ministry... The whole chapter is really a, a tremendous chapter in the Bible that really that Paul uses to speak to ministers of the gospel, which is us. Uh, so let me just read verse 1. It says, Therefore, since we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we do not lose heart. And what I want to really say to you, the first thing I want you to really see is that one word, we. And thank God Paul didn't say, since I have this ministry. He said, since we have this ministry. And that we is a pretty collective we that, you know, is, is still a we today. It wasn't just we, Paul and the Corinthians, or we, Paul and his friends. It's we as the people of God. We have a ministry. And that's the thing that I believe that God is trying to get across to the heart of the church, that we have a ministry, each one of us. And it's called the ministry of the gospel. Uh, that you're called to be a preacher of the gospel. If wherever you go, wherever your life takes you, and, and that's what Paul was saying. That's how he's introducing this chapter to us. That since we have this ministry, as we have received mercy. Okay, now I want you to get this in your heart this morning. Because probably there's not a person in this room that sometimes, if you have seriously considered serving the Lord, that you may not feel adequate to serve the Lord. You may not feel good enough to serve the Lord. You may not feel like you have, have what it takes to serve the Lord. Okay, you may feel that. You probably do. I mean, if you pay attention to the devil much, he tells you that all the time. When you, when you feel like you have an endeavor to really serve God, he's flat out telling you how stupid you are. That's one of the greatest things I ever hear from the devil all the time. He's always telling me the same thing. You're stupid. You're stupid. You're stupid. No matter what I do, he tells me, you're, you're stupid, Byron. And I've learned over, over, over my life to know that that's the devil. <laughs> that's not God. That's not even me. That's the devil speaking to me. And what he wants us to do is listen to what he says and believe what he says. But uh, this is what Paul says. Paul has lowered the bar. I want to tell you, Paul has lowered the bar for ministry. Okay? Thank God he didn't say, Therefore, since we have this ministry, as we have received an anointing for healing, or as we have received a, a, an anointing for prophecy, or as we have received a, 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 an anointing for evangelism. He just said, no, we have this ministry as we, as we have received mercy. In other words, Paul was saying, if you've received mercy, that is all you need to do. That's all you need to be a minister of the gospel. If you've just received mercy. Do you, have, do you understand what I'm saying to you? If you've re has anybody received mercy in here this morning? And he's talking about the mercy of salvation. That's what he's talking about. And, he's, and this is what Paul's saying. If you've got that, you're in. You're in the door. You're in the program. You don't really need anything else. Of course, God's going to give you more things. He's going to equip you. But if, if you've got to get the revelation of mercy. I wanted to read, and we'll come back to that. Brian, jump over to 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15 through 16. And just 
just so you'll hear what Paul had to say later in life. This is later. This is Paul at the end of life, not Paul at the beginning of life. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Now, Paul, of course, wasn't saying he was a big sinner at that moment in his life. I think one way we could interpret that, we could say that Paul was saying in Christ, uh, you know, in Christ I don't sin. Outside of Christ I I would still be the chief sinner. But really it could be translated of whom I was the chief sinner. But he goes on and says this, However, for this reason I obtained mercy, I obtained mercy, that in me first Jesus Christ may show all longsuffering as a pattern to those who are going to believe on him for everlasting life. So you see what Paul was saying is, is because, I've, because I've received mercy, now God can use me to show others the same mercy that I've received, this mercy of salvation. And see, that was his qualification. We think of Paul, that Paul, oh, the reason Paul has such a powerful ministry is because he was an apostle. And there's truth in that, but Paul is saying here about his ministry, no, the reason I am doing what I'm doing is because I'm a person who's received mercy. Everybody say received. And that's, what, that's the important thing that we want to really hear this morning. Go back to the Second Corinthians 4.1, Brian. It says, Therefore, since we have this ministry, so we all have a ministry, and we all, if you know Christ, if Christ is your Lord, if Christ is your Savior, you've received mercy. Therefore, you have a ministry. And so, okay, I don't want to be a broken record. I really don't want to be a broken record. But that's the truth. That's the truth of the Bible. That's why Jesus gives the Great Commission. This is Paul's version of the Great Commission. He's saying, I've got this thing called mercy, therefore I can, I can reveal Christ's mercy. In, in other words, Paul even said, woe to me if I don't. And we need to get that in our hearts. We need to get the woe to us that if we don't let this thing that's been placed in us, if we don't let it be released, then something's going to be messed up in our lives. And I think that's what's wrong with a lot of Christians today in the church. We have a lot of Christians in the church who are messed up. They're seeking something. They're wanting something, but they don't realize the very basic thing that God's called you and I to be is ministers of the gospel. That as we go, we would preach the gospel. Well, and, and because he says, he says, as we have this ministry, as we receive mercy, we do not lose heart. So Paul immediately is, is going after this thing that what happens to people who have a calling on their life, which is, which is all us who are really participating in the ministry is there's this thing called losing heart. Anybody ever lost heart? I mean, raise your hand if you've ever lost heart. You just feel... And let me just read what that means. Uh, it could be translated um, to be afraid, you know, being so fearful that you, you, you wouldn't do what God's called you to do, or you become di- discouraged to the point you just quit. Just, you just quit. Uh, you became weary or tired. I've really, oh, I've just been trying. I feel like God called me to do this thing. It's not working. People are not receiving it. It's just, it's just not happening. You just get wore out from it. Anybody ever had that experience? I mean, you know, I've prayed for this person to get saved for three years now, and they're not saved. I'm just tired of it. And see, here's what Paul's trying to address. He's trying to address this very thing. Um, to despair. You ever gotten in despair about things, about your life, about the way things were going? It's just, just being in despair. I, you know, the first time the Lord ever spoke this scripture to me personally was years ago before when I felt like, uh, you know, it was in another life and another career I had, 
but I felt like God was calling me to be in ministry, a full-time ministry. And, you know, I had went for years feeling all that, and feeling, and, but I had come to a place of despair with in my own heart. Like, it's never going to happen, Lord. I don't, you know, how's this going to happen? It's just, and I was despairing of the calling in my life, okay? And I remember I was in a hotel room in Philadelphia, and it was ice cold there, which, you know, I don't like ice cold, and it was, I'd been up there for days working, and I was just, and I was lonely, and I remember sitting down and opening my Bible to this, and that scripture just jumped out at me. And the Lord was saying, don't lose heart, Byron. Don't give up. Don't despair of what I have put inside of you. Don't do it. Because it's there. And it really spoke, and it gave me courage to keep going. It gave me some life to keep going at, at, at that moment in time. This past weekend, I, I had an opportunity to talk to two people, and they were both young people who were in despair about their ministry. One of them is a really tremendously gifted person, uh, just sort of an evangelistic uh, young lady. The other one, uh, and, and she's also very prophetic. And the other one was uh, is, was a fairly new Christian. And the and the one and, and she was just talking about. She just wanted to give up what she felt like God had spoke for her to do. She was just ready to quit, and she was given all these reasons why she wanted to quit. You know, my job, you know, my husband, you know, my, I'm, my life is full. And she was going down this whole list of things of why she just felt beat down in despair. It just wasn't time for this to happen. And Becky had a word of knowledge. And she said, well, what about this situation? And, and what had happened to this girl is someone in her group had forsaken her. You know, they were in a group, you know, a team of people doing ministry, and one of the people jumped out of it. And that really wounded her heart to the point it made her feel despair. There was a sense of betrayal in her heart. It just made her want to give up. She was looking at what she was doing, and it felt worthless to her. Has anybody ever experienced anything like that? Well, you, you, you think it's all these things, but really it's a, it's a heart hurt. You felt let down by somebody. You felt betrayed by somebody. and just wanted to quit. You just say, I just, it's just not worth it to me. And that was what she was. The other girl, she was a young lady, and at 16 years old, she was in a Pentecostal church in a youth group her family was in, and she wasn't, had not received Christ, but she was a part of this church because her family was. And they had had a, a couple to come. They had all the youth lined up in front of the church, and this lady and her husband were praying for the youth. You know, one by one, they were going down the road, and... So when they got to her, and all the kids were being slain in the Spirit, you know, so she was saying, it seemed like the Holy Spirit was really moving. They get to her, and this, the man standing behind her, and he puts his hands on her shoulders and starts pushing her while the woman had her hand on her head and was praying for her. Well, she was one of these sprighty girls who wasn't going down. Somebody's pushing me down. I'm pushing back. That was sort of her attitude. I'm not going down. If you, this is how this deal works. So she said, I locked my legs. I locked my knees. And the, heart, and the guy pushed harder, and the woman prayed louder. And she said it became like a scene in the church almost. Finally, the woman realized this girl ain't going down, and she moved on. But this is what it did to this girl. It, she just thought, man, this stuff is not real. All this Christianity stuff is just not real. I'm not going to have anything to do with it. And she, uh, you know, went, went out and lived a, a bad life until a year ago. And a year ago... She received Christ as truly as her Lord and Savior. And, you know, she's going on with God and found her a Christian husband, that she's a guy that she's going to be her husband, and actually involved in this church, starting this church with her, with her husband. But see, what happened to her, because this, it wasn't real, she, she, took a bang, she took a hit in her heart. It caused her to lose heart. 
Okay? And that's really what's wrong with most Christians. We have lots of Christians who have lost heart. Okay? And Paul wants to address that to tell us you're going to be faced with situations in life and things are going to happen to you and it's going to make you want to lose heart and give up. It's just part of what happens. If Paul was addressing it, and he really gets into it if you really read this chapter in detail, of stuff he's gone through, he went through some terrible stuff. Um, so let's look at Matthew 10, verse 7 through 8. I wanted to just tell you, one of the, this is one of the great, I think this is one of the great secrets to keep from losing heart, to keep your heart going when everything says no, when you feel pulled down and jerked down. Uh, and it's the, it's this, this, this is the as you go, okay? The pre-as you go. This is the as you go when Jesus was still on the earth before he gave the great commission to all of us. This was the as you go to his disciples. He says, as you go, preach. So there you go. As you go, preach in your life. There's another place that says it. In fact, I tell you, go and study the Gospels one more time and see what Jesus told people to do over and over and over. He kept telling us to do the same thing over and over. And over. As you go, preach the kingdom of heaven, that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. You know, I shared this thing in the... You know, earlier that I wanted to pass along with you about how the Gospels preached many times. This guy who was a pastor of a large church in California was preaching the Gospel to a group of lost young people. And it was a large group. And this is what he said. He said, um, you've all made honest mistakes. That's what he called sin, an honest mistake. Now that's a big fat lie. Because sin, the Bible clearly says, sin is rebellion against God. And so what this guy was doing is telling these young people, it's just an honest mistake, and if you'll just come to Jesus, He'll take care of your honest mistake. And that's really not the gospel. That's not really what Jesus was saying to preach. So you have these preachers that are preaching another gospel. It's not the gospel of the kingdom. You know, the gospel is a very violent message. But that's the, the message that Jesus has called us to preach. He didn't call us to preach a message. People say, well, you've made honest mistakes. But the Lord understands and He, he's, you know, he's, everything's okay because you know, you're just being a, a bad person and everything's going to be okay. That is not the Lord. That is not the gospel. That is not the message that's preached in the Bible. And that is not the message that the church should be preaching. We should preach the truth. You know, which basically condemns a person to hell if they don't receive Christ in a real sense and believe on Christ and follow Christ. I mean, I didn't make up the message. We just, you know, somebody else made it up. God made it up. So our job is to preach it. But then he goes on. Everybody good with that? We need to find out what the real message is and preach that message. And the Lord's going to show us how to do that. He's going to give us... That's one of the things... I'll, I'll tell you what, I, one of my goals is to preach a message on what the gospel is, is, what it is, what it really is, okay? Not what is being perpetuated out there upon the public today. And that's the reason people don't want to have anything with the, to do with the church today. It'd be better they didn't want to have anything to do with the church because we were a bunch of revolutionary kind of people instead of a bunch of people trying to soft-pedal something and make everybody comfortable and happy. We're not, going to, we're not supposed to do that. We're, you know, as, as uh, what was the guy who said this? My job is to, to make the comfortable, what was it, to comfort the sinners. What, what was that? Say it. Yeah. Comfortable. Say it, Don. 
Yeah, make the comfortable uncomfortable. And really, we've got, to, we've got to do that to see people really come into the kingdom. All right, so he said, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. So that's what God has really called us to do. And we all need to see we have a healing calling. We have a raising calling. We have a casting out calling. Well, let me just tell you one more joke. This is one of the funniest things I've ever heard in my life, okay? This is back when the Toronto blessing was going and they took applications for people to be on their ministry team, okay? And they asked you what your spiritual gift was. And this one guy wrote down his spiritual gift was slaying. Slaying. Like slaying in the spirit. That was his gift, slaying. Of course he didn't get on the ministry team because they didn't believe that was a legitimate spiritual gift. I just thought it was pretty funny. Slaying? That's what the one that says, slaying? I've never heard of a gift like slaying. It's going to kill somebody. But we all do have these ministries, and God really wants to use us. Now, I, granted, we need more. God wants to equip us more to do this stuff and help us to do these things. But I personally believe this. I believe if you're born again and you have Christ in you, you can do all that. And we just need to learn how to let the Lord show us how to do it. Follow the Holy Spirit, let Him show us how to do it. But the key thing I wanted you to get here is this last verse. Freely you have received, freely give. Freely you have received, freely give. Now, see, that's the crux of the gospel message. That's what Paul said. I have received something from God. Therefore, I have something to give. And see, that's what a lot of people don't believe for some reason. A lot of us listen to what the devil says or what the world says or some theological doctrine that what you have is not good enough. That it's not at some high level or, or whatever. You're comparing yourself or whatever. You don't believe that you have something to give. You've got to get to the place you believe in your heart that what you have is good, it's wonderful, it's worthwhile, and people need it. You've got to see that about yourself. You've got to see that you have something that people desperately need. And until you really see that, you won't really go after these things. You'll always be a chicken. You'll always be second-guessing yourself because you don't, you're not convinced in your own heart that you've got something that's really worthwhile. And I believe, this is what I've told me. Well, I'll, I'll get to that in a minute, okay? I just want you to know that if you, want to, if you don't want to lose heart, this is one of the best ways to combat losing heart. It's getting the attitude that I have something that God has given me and it's worthwhile and therefore I can give it. And that'll keep you out of the woods of disappointment. It's a protection against those things that are going to constantly come at you and tell you you don't have anything. Nobody cares about what you have to say. Nobody likes your ministry. You're too ugly. It's like I have this friend of mine who's a real big man, and this woman told him one time, you're too fat to be a preacher. That's what she told him. You're too fat to be a preacher. Of course, he didn't believe it. You know, I just thought that was pretty funny. How can you be too fat to be a preacher? You can be fat or you can be skinny. It doesn't matter. You've got something inside of you, and it's powerful. And you will always come to points in your life no matter who you are and no matter how far you have walked down this Christian life, where you come to crossroads and where, you, where the question is asked, Byron or John or Andy, do you want to keep going with this thing? Do you want to keep going on? And the way you answer that question is critical. I, I had the Lord to come to me recently because I was driving down the road thinking, well, you know what, Lord, maybe I need to do something else with my life. I'm getting old, and man, I don't know what's going to happen to me. My kids are not taking care of me yet. 
You know, I need to go make some money for my old age, Lord. You know, I was thinking that. And he asked me, he sort of interrupted me. He says, do you want to still do, keep doing what you're doing? That's what he said to me. I knew the Lord was speaking to me. I said, well, I need to talk to Becky about this first. <laughs> and we had a serious conversation about it. I'm just being a really 100% honest with you. We had a kind of, and this is what we said. All right, we need to dis- determine this based on fruit. Do we have any fruit? I mean, even a little bit of fruit. If we do, we should keep going. As long as God is being honored and glorified, it doesn't have to be big. It doesn't matter. If you believe God has got something and you believe it's real, you keep going with it. You don't stop until He until tells you to stop. And I don't think God's in the mode of telling people to stop. He may be in the mode of telling, doing, doing us like He did with Paul. Paul wanted to go to Asia to preach the gospel. This is all that happened. Paul was headed this way to preach. He didn't, listen, get this, he didn't need a word to go. He got a word in Acts 13 to go, and he never quit going after that. You think, go and read Acts 15. The second, I've shared this, I'll share it over because it's profound. The second great missionary journey is what historians call it. It started like this. Paul said to Barnabas, Hey, you want to go back and visit those people we just went and preached to? That's the second great missionary journey. And they said, yeah, and then they got in a fight over it. One went one way and the other went the other, but that's not the point. And he headed on out. And he was going to Asia to preach. He was headed right to Asia, and the Holy Spirit said no. So you know what he did? He went to, so well, fine, I'm going to Bithynia then. And then he said the Spirit of Jesus said no there. And then he took a nap and had a dream, and a guy in the dreams from Macedonia was saying, come over here and help us. So he got up and said, I believe I know where the Lord wants us to go. See, he never quit. He didn't need a special word. He just kept going and going and going and going until he died. And that's the heart of God for us. We're waiting on something special when God says, here's your special word. Read the Bible. As you go, preach. You have the word. And be sensitive to the Holy Spirit as you go. That's the key. And if the Holy Spirit says, no, I'm fine with that. I'll go to the right. You know, if I run into the wall, I'll take a right. I'll take a left until, you know, you find that spot where God wants you to go. That's a better position for the church. That's a more biblical position. Anyways, let me read 2 Corinthians uh, 4, verse 5 through 6. And let me make this last point, and then we'll do the prayer and, and communion. Uh, so here, so Paul's done said this, you got something. Now he says, listen, he's trying to help preachers here. He's trying to tell you what to preach even. Now that's profound, really, when you think about the Bible. It tells you clearly right there what to preach and what not to preach. He says, For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your bondservant for Jesus' sake. So Paul clearly states, listen, go out and preach. Don't preach your church. Hey, come to my church. Don't forget that mess. That's what he's saying. You don't do that. Go out there and tell them about the Lordship of Christ. Go out there and be a revolutionary and tell them this is the person you've got to have. There's no other way. It's not about a church. It's not about a doctrine. It's not about a theology. It's about a person of Christ. That's what he was saying. Preach the Lord Jesus. Preach the kingdom of heaven. Do that. That's what he said to preach. Don't preach yourselves. Don't lift your ministry up. Don't, well, this is what I want to do. You know, we want to have this, uh, you know, platform ministry or this, you know, singing ministry or some big preaching ministry. He was saying, don't preach all that stuff. It's a waste of time. People don't want to hear about that. Who cares about that? That's basically what he was saying. Preach the Lordship of Christ and let, let all that stuff sell, sell itself 
Then he goes on in verse 6. Um, it says, for it, is the, for it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Okay? Shown in our hearts. So here's the... Here's what I try to tell people who really want to do ministry. This right here is, is one of the greatest keys for success for anybody. Is God has placed His light in your heart. That's what it says. He's shown in our hearts. The Bible tells us, this is what it says in, in Romans 10 about salvation. It's one of the verses. A man believes with his heart and makes confession with his mouth. Okay? That's what it talks about. So Christianity is really something that we really come into through a heart conversion. Something happens to our heart. Something happens to our inner person. Yet the, per, the moment we get saved, we shut that thing down in us. Okay, we shut it all down and we start telling people, here's a way of living, here's a mode of living, here's a role of life, this is the way this is supposed to look. And we ask people to conform to that which is nothing more than Phariseeism, really. It's nothing more than religion that the church has perpetuated on people and has shut people's hearts down. And people's hearts have been quenched. They don't live out of their hearts. And then you get a person that comes in the church and tries to do it and everybody gets offended at them. They really do. People don't like people who live out of their heart because people who live out of their heart can be kind of reckless people. They really can be. And a lot of times, what you're dealing with is a person trying to live out of the heart. There's, there's stuff in there that's not always pleasant that needs to be pushed out, you know. It's almost like the Holy Spirit coming up, putting up and the first stuff that comes out is nasty stuff. It's, it, because He's pushing that nasty stuff on out. He's going to push it out, push it out. And finally, it's all going to be pushed out. And guess what you're going to have? You're going to have the Holy Spirit. You're going to have the life of God. But it's like the church has no grace or patience for that process in a person to see the bad come out so, they can, so we can get to the good in them, so we can get to the real thing in them. You know, so we can help them do that so when they walk out the door and run into some person, they, the good's coming out towards that person, the Spirit's coming out. You see what I'm saying? I mean, this is not a 100% perfect picture I'm giving you because it's impossible to give a 100% perfect picture of the activity of the Holy Spirit. But the truth is this. I'll say it one more time. When you get saved, the Holy Spirit comes into your spirit. He doesn't come into your mind automatically. He comes into your mind by invitation. He comes into your heart, your creativity, your emotions, your feelings by invitation. That's why a lot of people, they think, well, I'm saved, the Holy Spirit just took over. Well, that's not true. He, your spirit and His spirit are communion, and the key is, is getting the Spirit of God in your spirit up into this mind and, and emotions and feelings and will. Where he, that's where He becomes Lord. And he, and he does it. He becomes Lord by us allowing Him to do that, by inviting Him into that part of our lives. Do you all hear that? So Christianity really is this, the central thing is, that's why it says, guard your heart with all diligence, for out of, the issue, the, out of your heart springs the issues of life. In your heart is where God wants to really, you know, launch His campaign from. And so if you want to be successful as a Christian, if you want to be successful ministering the gospel, it's got to be real. It's got to be something that's alive in you. You've got to look inside of you and find God in you and say to the world, I like who I am. I like what God's put in me. I'm not ashamed of it. I'm not comparing myself to somebody else. This is a wonderful thing. And go with that. 
But the church wants to create. Well, let's just copy. Let me copy Dick Van Heineken and be like him. Well, stand up. Look at the difference between me and Dick Van Heineken. How can it you know, just be stupid for me to try to act like him? He's got hair and I don't. <laughs> But that's what we've done. Instead, and we've tried to copy other ministers and try to be like them. Instead of letting the real thing that's in you come out. There's something real in you. There's something wonderful. And you don't have to be ashamed. You don't have to hold your head down. You just have to connect with that real thing and do that. And however that is and whatever that is, it's going to be wonderful. It's going to be awesome. You may go through some stuff. You may stumble around and fumble around a little bit. Everybody does. It's okay. It really is. But that's success in God's eyes. You know, we don't teach people to do that. The church, by and large, that's why I don't blame the world. You can't blame them for wanting something that's not real. Not like, we don't, this don't seem real to us. It's like that girl. They're going to push her down. Oh, you got slain in the Spirit. Was that being slain in the Spirit, being pushed down? Forced down to your knees? God doesn't do that. It'd be better if the Lord just touched her and she wound up on the floor and couldn't figure out how she got there. Not pushed. Because it was real. And so if you feel like your ministry needs affirmation so much you've got to push somebody down, you don't have a ministry. You know? So that's really what Paul was saying right there. Is let, let this glory that's inside of you let this glory that's inside of you come out. Let it come out. Accept that you have something good. It took me a long time to really realize I've got something good. I've got something that people need. It's one I don't have to be ashamed just because I'm not a Presbyterian. I'm, I'm good to go, though. You know, I don't have to be a Presbyterian to have something wonderful. So I'm pretty convinced. Therefore, it gives me a lot of boldness. So that's really what God wants to do. Is he wants to, so it keeps you from losing heart. You lose heart when somebody betrays you and it makes you feel worthless. You know? Like, well, I don't have anything good enough. I'm not good enough. You know? That makes you lose heart. But God wants to restore people. You lose heart when you witness to somebody or pray for somebody and nothing happens. You're like, well, what's wrong with me? Well, there's nothing wrong with you. Really? Not really? Well, Lord, I just got to trust you. We prayed, and that's all we can do, Lord. If we don't do something, you know, we, you know, we've prayed, we've asked the Holy Spirit to do what only the Holy Spirit can do, and we leave it at that and move on. Trust God that God's going to do His part. And I'm going to tell you something: God's looking for people who will take that heart attitude. That's how God's going to move in the earth. You, really, you know, you can be the hands and feet of Christ. You can be the mind of Christ. You can be all those things. But if you lose heart. You won't be any of those things. You'll just be a mere mortal. A mere mortal. It's no fun just being a mere mortal, is it? It's bad being a mere mortal. We're not called to be mere mortals. We're called to be sons and daughters of God. And that's really, you know... So what I wanted to do right quick is I want to ask anybody in here, does anybody in here feel like in their, life, their, their, their personal Christian life or what they feel like God's called to them. If you feel like you've lost heart, would you raise your hand? Okay, there's a couple of people who've lost, raised your hand. Three, all right, would y'all come up who've raised your hand? If you don't want to be embarrassed, it's okay. It, you know, come on up here. We're going to pray for you this morning. We're not going to preach about not losing heart and not ministering to people who feel like they've lost heart. That's, that's just stupid to do that. So we want to minister to y'all this morning, you know, the life of God. 
that God would restore to you the joy of salvation, that God would restore the passion to you, whatever it is, wherever you're at uh, in your life this morning. So let me ask this. Now, i got another question. Who out here this morning feels encouraged in the Lord? Raise your hand. Okay, everybody who raised their hand, come on up here. You're the ministry team this morning. You're going to come out here, and you're, good, you're encouraging the Lord. You've got something. Lord, you've got something. You've seen the Lord give you a checking account. Isn't it wonderful that the Lord is concerned about checking accounts? It's wonderful. So what we're doing is we're going to pray. Just pick somebody, whoever you want, that you feel like you want to just minister the Lord's love to them, the Lord's life to them. You want to minister encouragement to them. Get, you know, to get them to stir up the gift that's in them again. Just whatever you feel the Lord's showing you. Let me give you a testimony from the first service. Rhonda, Rhonda Bumgardner. She was prayed for by Heather Kelson. Okay? Heather Kelson put her hand on Rhonda's head and says, I feel darkness in your head. Rhonda went to the doctor a week or so ago and had an MRI done, and the doctor said, there's a dark spot in your brain. Okay? Heather put her hand on know She didn't know anything about dark spots. She didn't, probably didn't know what she was saying, but the Holy Spirit was speaking to Rhonda. And encouraging Rhonda. The doctors really weren't concerned that, you know, six months we'll come back and see how dark you are. You know, obviously they weren't real concerned about it. But what I'm saying to you is Rhonda felt very encouraged that the Lord would speak to her like that and letting let her know, yeah, I know about this dark spot and I'm going to do something about this dark spot in your brain. Uh, I don't know what Heather was getting, but you can, I'm just saying, y'all who are praying, go what you feel like the Lord's showing you and go with that and encourage these people and bless them. And while they're doing that, and we're gonna, we're gonna, uh, you know, we like to celebrate the cross because that's really the basis for everything. So we're gonna slide that over so you can receive communion this morning, uh, and then when they get through, they can receive communion. But I want to just remind you about communion right before we pray, guys. As Jesus said, as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you declare the Lord's death until He returns. The Lord's going to return, and the Lord has died. And I want to encourage all of us this morning, you know, that God has called us, He's called us to, to live a life of communion with, with Him. And when we do communion, we're, we're saying to the Lord, I want to commune with you, Lord. I want to fellowship. I want to be one with you. I'm stating that one more time. I'm committing my life to abide in you one more time. And if there's things in me this morning, if there's sin in my life, Lord, I want you to forgive me and cleanse me from it so me again. Lord, we pray that you would make uh, communion with you a real thing in Jesus' name. So, you come.